everyone. Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Muppets Take Manhattan two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a return guest, uh, a guest who I believe has been here for every movie so far. Yes. And uh, who are you? Hi, I'm Jesse Hassinger, uh, a writer about of movie stuff, and you can find me on the internet at, at Rockmarooned if you subject yourself to Twitter like I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a it, it's a thrill to have you back, as always, Jesse. Yes, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the. I'm, I'll love I'll love all the Marvel movies, but I was kind of particularly looking forward to this one, uh, this this moment from this one. Awesome. Hmm. Uh, we're always excited when a guest wants to talk about a specific scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and what scene is it? It is minutes 35 and 36 from the Movistake Manhattan. In these minutes, Piggy and Joan Rivers get fired and the rats <laughs> violate the health code. <laughs> so we open with the end uh, of the scene we, we saw last week where Elaine, played by Joan Rivers, is furiously dotting freckles too cutesy all over Piggy's nose as we start. And we only see, I don't know, this goes for about 30 seconds in this scene. But this is my favorite part of this sequence. Just, just how their like their energy is just off the charts. They're just laughing uproariously. Oh, do, the freckles so specifically or just the escalation of it? Just the escalation. I mean, yeah. this like like when we talked about this last week, I was disappointed that we didn't get to see this stuff because this is what I think of. Where they completely just lose it. Yeah, they just lose it. They're laughing so hard. Um, you know, she gives Piggy lipstick. Uh, the way Piggy puckers up is so yeah. funny with her <laughs> snout going under her bottom lip is, is such a great, a great Frank Oz thing. Yeah, it's great that the that they they figured out how to make the puppet pucker her lips. Because yeah, obviously she doesn't really have an upper lip; she has a snout. Right. <laughs> I I I saw this movie when I was um, when it came out of the theaters. This is the first one that I of the Muppet, the old Muppet movies that I saw that way because I was f- three and a half or whatever when it came out. And I don't think this is from that theater memory, but the what like the Joan Rivers stuff. This is I'm sure the first time I ever saw Joan Rivers, and it is so memorable. It like really burned into my brain this scene, and I don't even know that I found it that funny. I think I actually kind of find it found it disturbing at the time. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but sometimes sometimes when a human interacts really intimately with a Muppet in a weird way, I like especially as a kid, I would get like. It would kind of not gross me out, but there'd be something uncomfortable about like when in the first Muppet movie where when Doc Hopper like folds or the doc, that crazy mad scientist, I guess it is, folds Kermit's legs around. uh, So when putting it, that that, like really disturbed me. And this, it's not as disturbing intentionally, but this really, her and Joan Rivers, though it is really wonderful to watch now as an adult scene after, you know, knowing who Joan Rivers is and what a, like, a fun performer she is and how into it she is. At the time, it really, I, found, I wouldn't say I found it upsetting, but I was like, it was a lot. I guess I just, it was, it was my four-year-old brain was like trying to process what we now would say, that's a lot. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> it's, it's, they're acting crazy and Joan Rivers is totally messing up Piggy's face. Yeah, exactly. She seems to be having fun, but still. Yeah, that reminds me of when I was a kid and I was highly disturbed by a sketch on the Peter Sellers episode of The Muppet Show where Peter Sellers plays a masseuse who is giving Link a massage and is just like twisting his arms and legs and tying them in knots. (laughs) Like, I hated that so much. (laughs) 
Um, well, and I love speaking of her just like messing Piggy up. I love how much she has to move her arm around to cover Piggy's <laughs> giant lower lip. Right? Like, because like, oh, she's using a regular size lipstick. It's not like she has some giant, you know, puppet lipstick. It's just like Piggy has this enormous lip the size of a human face. And <laughs> Joan Rivers has to like smear it around to get lipstick on there. Yeah. Which is intense, you know? It, it really is. Yeah. Um, I think it's also, yeah, the unknown, like, you know, as a kid, you don't know that much about makeup, too. So it's like very, like, whoa, this feels very adults. What they're, even though what they're doing is actually very ridiculous. That's true. But like, it's, very, it's very childish, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like a child, we, a child's idea of what makeup is like, which is like, that, what are they doing to their faces? <laughs> right. Um, so they're just laughing so hard. They're they're having a great time. And then, of course, we get the the, the real money shot here, the, the famous line, right, where she says she's going to do her cheeks. And then Joan Rivers says, and a powder puff for you and a powder puff for me. And <laughs> their faces, which is the greatest thing that has ever happened. Like, it's so it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. And I actually I watched this scene with my with my six six year old daughter about seven times earlier today <laughs> and she was like so excited that it was that part okay. like, like, she she didn't let me move on until we'd watched it like like i said like six or seven times you know? wow. so you guys have a sense of like how like it's funny when i first rewatched this as an older person i was like oh yeah you know i didn't know her at the time but joan rivers very famous uh, but then I was like watching it again today. I was like, wait a minute, 1984. I don't even know how famous. I mean, I know she, she was, she's been around a long time, but like I, she had her, I feel like her peak, you know, was probably the late eighties when she had her, got her own talk show. Was but, subbing but, for Johnny Carson. but this is when she was subbing for Johnny all the time. Okay. Like, she was still, yeah. I wasn't sure like, her, what the timeline was. Yeah. Her talk show on Fox started in 86. Right? Oh, okay. oh okay. And that's she, really she got that talk show because she'd been this popular guest host for Johnny and guest on, okay. on the tonight show. All those years, you, you know, yeah, yeah. So it's like late seventies, early eighties is when she's like beloved Tonight Show uh-huh. people, right? Joan Rivers, you know. They never do that anymore. Like, have the I mean, I'm sure there are people who have guest hosted it currently, but like, I feel like they don't. There's not that thing of like we have a regular guest host for at least yeah, for Tonight Show. No. I think they mostly just show reruns or, or yeah, like yeah. You know, uh, Craig Ferguson used to have guest hosts. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Vince Vaughn or someone did it. Well, I have seen it theorized that most of the current late night hosts, like it's an ego thing. Like they don't want the audience to think that they're replaceable even for one Uh night, which that sounds very, very likely to me. Uh Yeah, that seems right. right. Well, and I think also like there's so many of them now. That's true too, yeah. Johnny Johnny Carson wasn't worried about like losing the ratings. He didn't, you know... If yeah. Joan Rivers is the host or, or Don Rickles is, I don't know. Did Don People Rickles host TV? Right? Keep coming in. Oh, I'm sure he did. Yeah. Anyways, whoever. Yeah. J- J- Jay Leno, for heaven's yeah. sake, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Leno did it forever. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Joan Rivers is going to lose this job because Mr. Wrightson, <laughs> their, their boss, walks over to them and sternly says, you are fired. He says it so is- calmly. He says it so calmly, which is such a great delivery. I, I think it works so much better that they then like look at each other and bust out laughing yeah, because right. he doesn't yell at them, right? He's like trying to stay professional. Right. He's <laughs> on a more even uh, tone. And then they, they're, they're, when they burst out laughing, that's like the explosion of, of 
comedy. <laughs> Whereas if he had done the over the top, like, you know, Mr. Spacely from the Jetsons, like, you're fired. It would have, that would have been too much. <laughs> I love that Mr. Spacely is your go-to for. Well, who's your go-to? Who's yeah. your go-to for an over-the-top uh, boss saying you're fired? I mean, it's it's the the person who is no longer president uh, when this is released. <laughs> oh well, yeah, but that wasn't he. Like he didn't do it. That that was lame the way he did it. It was just you're fired. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't watch that show. <laughs> I want to say actually, I should say neither did I. I, I saw clips <laughs> of it. It was inescapable when it was on TV. Right, right, right. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, I guess it. I guess it's like Michael Scott imitating Donald Trump or something. Right, 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 right. Like, it's like what I actually picture, right? Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways, um, we don't have to worry about that guy anymore. Um, so, anyways, we uh, what what happens? Oh, what else is really good is that it then cuts away while they're still laughing, which I had never thought about. Um, how how effective that is yeah that, yeah that, that like, works really well because it also then kind of gives the audience a second to keep laughing as a, as a shot carries over into the next scene right and and before we move on to what that next scene is do either of you have any thoughts about joan rivers or this scene before we move on yeah one thing i noticed uh we it takes a while before the before it cuts to the customers in the store watching uh this crazy scene play out and i think that is a really good uh, choice presumably on frank oz's part because it just it just keeps building and building like we saw it last week and it continues this week where they just keep getting crazier and then as it's nearing the 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 peak of craziness that's when we see the customers just kind of staring at them like what is right. going on over there just like looking aghast kind yeah, of right yeah. like, um and also in the may uh sorry in the march 7th 1983 draft of the screenplay there was actually a moment where a customer comes up to the counter and sees piggy's face and screams which probably would have been a little too much. So. Maybe, yeah. I I, I kind of like it though. Like, yeah, it is. It does actually appear in the uh, Marvel Comics adaptation. But uh, oh, is, is that right? Yeah, I think it, the movie might be better without it. Remind me, did you have that comic as a kid? I didn't as a kid. No, I, I own it now. But 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 you have it now. You you own a copy of it now. Yes, I can actually show it to you. It's over here. Please, that's all I've ever wanted to Here's, see. Was. Uh, <laughs> So for the audience, this is issue three. It is with the Come wedding in, oh, scene. Spoiler: Kermit and Piggy are going to get married. But this yeah. is issue two. This is the the part of the movie that we're talking about. With is in oh, this issue. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, I wonder is, is that like there's a weird thing where like in uh, the Batman, you know how like Carly Quinn from Batman the Animated Series came from um, Batman, uh, you know. The, she was in the animated series before she was in the comic books. And then because of that, when she debuted in the comic book based on Batman, the animated series, that issue is apparently very valuable because it is technically the first issue with Harley Quinn yeah. in it, even though it's like, well, it's not really, it's not like when she came into the actual, whatever. Yeah. I was just seeing the Muppet babies on that cover of the, of the second issue made me think that, that my nerd brain is so warped that I was thinking, Oh, is that the first appearance of the Muppet babies in a comic book? That's gotta be worth money. <laughs> I'm sure it is actually. Well, don't, 
I don't think Muppet Babies comics are as valuable as Harley Quinn. Comics. Yeah, every every con you go to, you see guys in the Harley Quinn t-shirts and the guys in the Muppet Babies. You see, you see Harley Quinn and Animal, right? Yeah. The, yeah. the, the two titans of, of the comic book industry. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I got this, like each of these for maybe a quarter and a back issue somewhere. So. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, um, I, I have the, which I also found in a 50 cent bin, the issue of Marvel Age, which was the like Marvel news magazine in the eighties, yeah, promoting the Muppets Take Manhattan uh, adaptation. But I do not oh, own wow. the actual thing. Oh, that's cool. Does it have any original material that's not in the? It, the I mean, it's all like. I mean, the thing is like interviews. It's right. like it's like Jim Henson and Michael Frith are quoted talking about this Muppets, and actually, Michael Frith says in that in that issue. Um, that like we tried a comic strip a few years ago and it didn't really take. So I think comic books will be a good vehicle for the Muppets or something. Uh-huh. The, the comic strip was still running. That strip ran until uh-huh. 1987. Yeah, they didn't even know. They were just like, <laughs> yeah. But he had other things to think. I mean, he was like working on Fraggle Rock. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. Why would he really? Yeah. But, but yeah. Um, Anyways, so where do we actually go next? We go to Pete's Luncheonette, uh, a location we haven't seen for a few minutes. And uh, a customer who loves those rats asks Pete whatever <laughs> happened to the rats that he had. <laughs> I love the idea that this guy is just like, that's why he went to that restaurant. Because there's rats working there. He was just getting to know him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Pete says, customer complain. They say they know like rats for waiters. That's okay. I make them cook. <laughs> Great. So, so then we see Yolanda call out. Um, we see Yolanda call out an order. Two zeros on a trampoline with a side of Joan of Arcs. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm sure you listeners know or can guess. The two zeros are fried eggs. The trampoline is a toast, a slice of toast. And then the Joan of Arcs are French fries, which is so tasteless, right? Right. Well, here's so, Joan of Arcs. I I am I had been aware of diner lingo. Like this is a whole thing that actually exists in diners where waiters and cooks have have the slang that they use. Right. Um, right. Yeah. There's a sure. Wikipedia article if you want to find out more about it. Um, things like a cowboy with spurs is a Western omelet with fries. A life preserver is a donut. Two dots and a dash is two fried eggs with a strip of bacon. For some reason, I always thought that uh, when Yolanda said Joan of Arc, that was referring to French toast. Like, I I thought maybe one of the things on that plate was French toast, which also makes sense to me because Joan of Arc was French and she was burned at the stake. So <laughs> toast. Um, but, but there are fr- there are fries on the plate. Yeah, like, can yeah. So it's clearly. Yeah, I guess it's French fries. Is Joan did they? Is is that made up? I mean, I know there these these. I mean, as you say, those slang that slang exists in I'll, diners. I'll say just, this: I I googled two zeros on a trampoline, and all the results were referring to this movie. Yes. <laughs> so I, I don't think it's a. I think probably. Frank Oz or Patchett and Tarsus came up with it. But if anyone out there has ever worked at a diner, and if you can confirm or deny that uh, that uh, two zeros on a trampoline with a side of Joan of Arc means <laughs> fried eggs on toast with fries, please let us know. Or, I, I, or, or I, if you are Frank Oz or Tom Patchett or Jay Tarsus. <laughs> I did Google uh, Joan of Arc and fries and came up with a lot of different churches that have fish fries named after Joan of Arc. As, like, oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh. Wow. Interesting. Huh. 
All right. Joan of Arc loved fish. Yes. Oh, famously, they, yes. They didn't, they didn't talk about that in Passion of Joan of Arc, so I didn't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, but so, yeah, the, the song, we this does lead into a song officially titled on the soundtrack, Rat Scat, parentheses, Something's Cooking. Cooking, yeah. <laughs> Is it cooking? Is it Something's it's Cooking? It's cooking with uh, an apostrophe, I, I, yeah. I wrote it down wrong. Uh, rat Scat, Something's Cooking. See, because it seems like it should either be something's cooking or something's cooking, and it's not. <laughs> it's something's cooking. Yeah. Um, but so uh, this is, of course, the first time we've ever had a motion picture about rats cooking in a restaurant. Yeah. Which was which was later ripped off by a little movie, a Brazilian classic called Ratatouille. <laughs> about, about the chef Marcel Toing, owner of the famous diner Ratatouille. Yes, that's the only other example we can think of. The only other example I can think of, correct. Um, but but I feel like that actually I feel like actually like calling this the original ratatouille or something is the thing that happens pretty often. Like you'll see it online. Yes. Uh-huh. People will just be like, Muppet Sig Manhattan. Whoa, Brad Bird got all his ideas. I think every few years there's someone who rewatches this movie and remembers that this scene exists, and they'll then you know then they write about it on the internet. Right. Right. Oh, this is yeah. These rats are so much less hygienic than Remy and Ratatouille, who they take pains to show washes his little paws, Mm. and most of the time, sometimes he's not even handling the food because he's having Linguini do it. Whereas these rats are fully stepping on the food. Baby and coffee. Submerging themselves in it, yeah. Submerging themselves in coffee. Yeah. Right, right. It's a different different thing. Just for the record, Um, though, Anthony, so Ratatouille, that's a real movie, right? That's a real movie, yes. It's a knockoff. Yes, it's a Brazilian knockoff of Ratatouille, (laughs) and it it uh, takes place in Rio de Janeiro, and like... I've only seen the trailer. I haven't watched it, but the trailer starts out with like the vistas, the vistas of Rio, like talking about how it's like the most beautiful city in the world, just like Paris. Right. Of course. And, and then it's about a rat named Marcel who owns a restaurant called Ratatouille. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. (laughs) We'll we'll link to the trailer in the show notes. If you want to see something (laughs) great, if you want to see a high quality program. Uh, Anyways, there's a whole like alternate Hollywood of these knockoffs of popular movies. It's, yeah, I was th- especially Pixar movies. There's yeah. like one for for every one. Do sure. they still do them? Because I remember the the Disney one. You know, you'd always see them in Rite Aid or whatever in CVS. When, when Aladdin came out, like Aladdin, Wait, well, and a lamp would be there in in CVS like two weeks later. But like, right. do, I knew that do they still do them for like you know. Did did Coco get one? Like, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know about Coco, but I like. Yeah, this is like 10 years ago. There was, I mean, in addition to the one I just mentioned, there was like Chop Kick Panda. Okay. Was, yeah, yeah. was a real one. Uh, one that I've seen circulated online a lot is uh, a movie called, uh, a movie that's a knockoff of Up called What's Up Balloon to the Rescue. <laughs> I love that uh, title. And, and well, what's great about What's Up Balloon to the Rescue is that the cover has two old men on it and oh. like three kids. <laughs> So it's, you're getting more bang for your buck. Yeah, you yeah that's like a better deal. And the house is being carried by one giant balloon instead of many <laughs> small balloons. Wow. <laughs> What's up, balloon to the rest? But yeah, like like we talked, like I feel like the target audience. Oh, there is. So I'm looking now. There's a movie called Frozen Land 
Oh, okay. Sure. Uh, that takes place in a frozen land, so that's that's pretty new, you know. So, so I guess they are at least in in the 2010s. They have made some. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, so yeah, pretty good. Um. Anyways, <laughs> uh. So getting back to this movie, before we talk about the puppetry tricks, which I feel like are the main, the main event here, um, I want to talk about the song briefly. Jeff Moss did write this. It is a song. And it's the the lyrics are just Rizzo scatting. Not that that's nothing. No, but it's very it's, catchy. There's not really lyrics to talk about here, right? It's it's just Rizzo doing his scat, which is kind of like Steve Whitmire's signature bit. He used to do it on Fraggle yeah, Rock. Yeah, I guess by this point, maybe he had been. Do we know like what the timeline was? Had he been playing Wembley? I guess he had by this point. I, I he, well, Fraggle Rock premiered in January '83. Right. Okay. So yes. your, your script draft is March of '83. Like right, you know, the movie right. would would have been shooting probably that fall or something. Yeah. Um. And 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 Rizzo Rizzo good. Wembley scats with Gobo in the closing credits of every episode. Right. You know, so he does it in episodes sometimes, but like every episode features Wembley scatting the theme song. You know. And then, and then he'll do it again as Kermit in Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh yeah, Kermit and Robin got their little uh, "Tis the season to be jolly and joyous." Falala, Falala. that thing. Yeah, what is, <laughs> that, that has a name too. That's this like the Christmas scat or the something scat. Yeah, yeah, and and we'll we'll That's get back to that. Check on the soundtrack. Yeah, um, I actually did as long as we're talking about the song. Um, in that nineteen, in that March seventh draft, there are lyrics, which it seems more like a chant than a song. But it goes, "We're the kitchen rats, the kitchen rats, flipping those jacks and they fall right back." The kitchen rats, the kitchen rats, we broil, fry, and barbecue. We're kitchen rats, kitchen rats, cooking in the kitchen, so good. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says they go into like a football team huddle and. and like, <laughs> celebrate yeah. oh, so this is way like i do wonder if steve didn't suggest the scat thing mm, you know yeah. i mean i i have no i have no evidence to prove yeah, that. No, i just could, know it's like something that he enjoyed doing and he's great at it i mean every you know this is one of the best parts of the movie and and his performance has a lot to do with it yeah you know he's just he's just so confident about it you know what i mean oh yeah and it's like the whole thing rizzo sort of ties the whole sequence together because he's just kind of like strutting around scatting watching all the rats do all their the, thing in the kitchen yeah right um so so like i mentioned the the real the real joy here is all the all the puppetry tricks that are going on and actually um i'm sure many of our listeners have read the book jim henson the works by christopher finch this book from 1993 uh do you do, do you guys both know that book i'm yes. sure you do ryan yeah yeah, it was a very instrumental uh, text in my going from just kind of being like a young Muppet fan to a Muppet nerd. Well, me too. Who wanted yeah, to exactly. know everything about everything. Yeah, yeah I, I bought it at Barnes & Noble when I was 12. And, <laughs> nice. it, and it, like, it like blew my mind. Um, but this sequence gets its own two-page spread in the book. Um, pages 136 and 137 are storyboards uh, by artist John Davis and info about the puppetry tricks in this sequence. So a lot of what we're going to talk about, like a lot of what we know about how it, how it was done comes from that book, which listeners, if you haven't read it, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't read that book, that's absurd. (laughs) (laughs) Read read that book. Um, But so a lot of the, 
puppetry tricks here were rigged by Foz Fazakis. Have we ever talked about him on the show? We must have. Uh, we, his name has probably come up in the credits of, of one yeah. of these, at least. Yeah. So he was kind of like the special effects guy for the Muppets for a long time. He did a lot to introduce like remote control technology into right. Muppet stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the boozers, and he's he's uh, the inspiration for Doc on Fraggle Rock, kind of, like supposedly, right? That's yeah, like kind of a tinkerer, yeah, right. Um, so he had a lot to do with this. So, so let's talk about what 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 I mean when I say this. We start with Rizzo sh- excitedly shaking salt and pepper shakers, which like is he just bouncing up and down? Are his arms moving? They're not, right? He's just bouncing. I, I think maybe. I don't know. Like, I think Riza's head might be on sort of a. Well, I don't even know how to describe this, which I think is kind kind of similar to Beaker, maybe, where it's like his his neck kind of goes up and down and like slides up and down in his head like a slide whistle or something. So I think yeah. maybe Steve is just sort of like sliding Riza's body up and down on his neck to make him do this dance move, and I think it looks really good. Right. Um. And then the next thing is that we see uh, Tatui, who is named after the dish Ratatui, as we've discussed. Um, so really, his name should be Tatoing. Ideally. Um, he, he's sitting in a ladle, hanging from the ceiling, banging on a bunch of pots and pans that are also hanging from the ceiling. Which rules? Like, yeah. what a cool, what a cool place for him to be. Yeah, that's really fun, and that is one of those things. If you are watching closely. I'm pretty sure it cuts between a remote controlled version of Tatooie and the wide shots and then to a, uh, a hand puppet version in the close-up shots. Yeah. I, I bet that's right. Cause it's just that one wide shot of it. I think, right. I, I don't know. Um, there might be two, but yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah. And then the next thing we see is Masterson slicing butter with a knife, <laughs> which, um, He's he's gonna be skating around on buttery paths later in a, in a minute shortly after that, um, which in the book in the works they mentioned that this was real butter. They talked about using something else, but like butter worked the best, even though it seemed too obvious initially. Um, so is this real butter that he's slicing? Also, I guess probably like it looks real, like real butter, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So it's just like a little with his tiny little rat hands. Yeah, you just want to be really careful and not get butter on the puppet or stab the puppet with the knife. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, but and then we also see Chester riding around on an egg beater, as if it were a it, unicycle. Yeah, as if it were a unicycle in pancake batter. And both of those guys, um, Masterson on, on on the buttery pats, and also Chester on the egg beater, they both spin as they do it, which is such a nice touch. Yeah. Right. Like, like, there's no reason for these puppets to be spinning around furiously while they're doing these these kitchen tasks, but it just makes it seem so much more real. I guess. Yeah, they're just showing off. Um. Yeah, and again, in in the works, it says Chester's feet were attached to an egg beater, which is driven from underneath using a waterproof bearing. So, what does that mean? Do you do you, <laughs> do you know what that means? Um, I kind of don't. I guess just so whoever is operating it. Oops. I guess just so whoever's operating it didn't get like eggs and batter on their hands. Like there, there must've just been some kind of uh, waterproof seal to separate the bottom of the bowl from under the bowl. Yeah. Okay. I guess so. That's huh. all I can figure. Yeah. 
Anyway, it looks great. I mean, I think both of those things, the 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 butter skate, the butter skating especially. Like yes. What a cool effect. Yeah. You know, like how did he cuz it cuz it how are they controlling him? I guess it's it's wires. I don't know. On a couple of these, I I was I looked and played it back many times looking for wires or strings and I really don't see any. I yeah, you know, I we kind of know how they did some of this, but I still don't really know how they did any of this. Right. It's it's just all so impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um and then R- R- uh, next Rizzo yells out, "How's the coffee?" Tatooie says, "The coffee's fine. Come on in." <laughs> and he dunks his head into it while Yolanda's just like hanging out on the on the side with her legs in the coffee. <laughs> yeah, the Yolanda <laughs> puppet looks kind of stiff there. Like she's not she's not moving very expressively. But our, our eye is drawn to Tatooie, so it doesn't really matter. Right, right. Um, but it, so like that's probably not real coffee, right? It's probably just colored water or something. Oh, yeah. It just seems. It seems like they would be strange to brew coffee and wait for it to cool down <laughs> right? so they can shoot these puppets in it. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I guess they probably wouldn't want to just dunk a puppet in coffee. <laughs> probably not. Puppet. Right. Which actually my six-year-old child said to me while we were watching this, which you, you want, you, you want to talk about what we pass on to our children genetically. My six-year-old daughter is watching this with me and she turns to me and she goes, so did that coffee ruin the puppet? and i was just like yeah probably she's your kid (laughs) she really is man she really is um but so then the next thing we see is masterson is nursing his burned foot while rizzo walks past which i had never noticed until this time i always thought he was just hanging out like by the pancake yeah, and none of the other rats seem very concerned about him. Like, they're just going about their business and scatting, and uh, you no know, one is stopping to ask Masterson if he's okay. Maybe this happens to him every day. He, <laughs> he, hops, on, he hops on the butter skates, burns his feet. <laughs> it would be hard to, I mean, you picture skating on butter on a, on a griddle, and that would be hard to do without hurting yourself. Like, right, well, because the, the butter's not going to last very long. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and then uh, finally, Tatooie and Yolanda catch some toast on a plate and carry it away. And then Chester jumps onto a spatula to flip a pancake. Well, I don't think we talked about the, the pouring of the pancake batter. Oh no, we didn't. You're right. You're right. I skipped that. Yeah, right before that, uh, Chester pours pancake batter out of a big pot. Which again, I have no idea how they got it to look like that puppet is pouring that giant pot. How do they make that puppet do, like it's so fluid? It looks like a like a person. Yes, and he's tiny. He's like, yeah. the, I mean, how how big are these rat puppets? Like a foot, maybe. Yeah, I get, yeah, they're not they're tiny. They're yeah. not like it's not like it's Fozzie Bear with live hands. No, they're little guys. <laughs> but it's just such a fluid, natural motion as he pours the pancake batter and then and then uh, turns the this little thing right side up again. So yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Pretty impressive. So that so then we see Tatooie and Yolanda carry toast on a plate, catch it on a plate when it pops out of the toaster. Um, in the works, they show the sketches show Yolanda and Masterson carrying eggs on a stretcher, which does not appear in the scene. Uh, don't we see Rizzo and Yolanda doing that earlier? No, I, th- I don't think, think so. I think when uh, Tatooie is playing the the pots and pans, I think we see that in the foreground, like. 
Oh, is that right? I right think away, so. like we're right when it pulls back, right after she leaves the plate. I on think the- so. Oh, we're no, just we- we're distracted by Tatooi. Yeah, I'm gonna go back. Is and that check. right? Yeah, because because Rizzo is shaking those those salt and pepper shakers at that time. Right. It's a little bit after that. Uh, let okay. Me see. Oh right. no. Okay. Sorry. It's when um, I've lost track of these rats. <laughs> the uh, the egg beater. It's when that's happening. Oh, when the egg beater's happening, they show yeah. that. Oh, and it's not oh, Rizzo. Okay. Sorry, it is. Masterson and Yolanda it's carrying the Yolanda eggs. So it, so it is exactly like it says in the in the book. Okay, oh, okay. I just missed. It. Wow. Yeah, there's I a lot going fi- on in the scene. I should be fired from this podcast. No, that just shows how <laughs> it's impressive like and Joan Rivers. <laughs> this just shows how impressive the sequence is. That there's so many gags happening that you can't even catch them all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, but so then, finally, Chester does jump onto a spatula to flip a pancake, which lands on Rizzo's head. And that's and that's where and, we end here. And how did they do that? I have no <laughs> he, idea. He jumps off the <laughs> shelf and lands on the spatula. I don't see any strings. I watched it so many times with my face so close to the screen. <laughs> yeah. See, this is uh, we've talked before about how great it would have been if Frank Oz had recorded an audio commentary for this movie. Mm, yeah. And I, I feel like he would know all this. <laughs> uh, he might, although I. I've some, read some of this stuff somewhere, and I don't remember where I heard this or read it, but uh, that Jim Henson either directed the sequence or co-directed it, or oh, really? I think he took a little bit more of a hand in the sequence. Yeah. Oh, okay. But you hmm. know, Frank was there, obviously. So yeah, Frank was there, and I mean, you know, obviously, like Steve Whitmire or Karen Prell or Brian Meal, like m- most of the performers in this scene are still alive. Too. That's true. Yeah, I you mean. Know. I think I think all of the performers in this scene are still alive. Maybe uh, not. I don't know. I don't know about um, what's the guy with three names who plays. plays yeah, one of them. Uh, is it Bruce Edward Hall? Yeah, Bruce Edward Hall. He's Wait. he has passed away. I think. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, oh, but all the rest of them are still around. Uh, yeah, we should ask all of them. We should we just should. we should just tweet at Frank Oz and say, "Tell us everything you remember about the sequence." Right. We should we should say we should comment on Steve Whitmire's blog. Yeah, and you know, actually, worded email. Yeah, yeah, Steve might that could inspire a whole blog post. Yeah, it might. I mean, he might he might be very eager to talk about this. You yeah, know? wouldn't surprise now me. Now I want the whole the whole crew of rap performers to do a series of commentaries. Forget Frank Oz, just <laughs> yeah, have the no, rap. The rat crew do do their own commentaries for every movie. That would be great. It's Steve Whitmire, Karen Prell, Dave Goals, and and Brian Meal, right? The rat crew, yeah, I yeah. Like it. Be, I'd I'd listen to that. Yeah. So that that does bring us to the end. So uh, anything else before we close, Jesse? I'll start with you. I just I wanted to talk about this sequence not because I know anything about how it was made. I, I like you guys remain fairly baffled <laughs> years later about how David was done, but also it, I think it's uh, just now it kind of mentally connected to Frame Roger Rabbit because it's one of that's one of my favorite movies as it was one of my favorite movies as a kid and remains one of my favorite movies now. And because in both cases I was watching something that's like astonishing technically, and as a child was just like delighted by, by the kind of literally what was happening on screen that I had no idea how crazy difficult it must've been to do. And Roger Rabbit, it's like the whole movie. And there's obviously there's a lot of stuff in all the movies, but this, this sequence like really made an impression. This was like my favorite part in, I think this was like the second movie I ever saw in a movie theater after Snow White. And 
I think I saw it twice even as a child, <laughs> which was unusual for me for at, at three or four years old. Um, I mean, there were VCR, so I like, never watched movies really like, again until I, we got one when I was seven or eight. So uh, this was like the first movie probably I'd ever seen a second time. Mm. Um, and I was, and I loved the whole thing, obviously, but I loved the, the, the kitchen sequence for reasons I couldn't really articulate because it's not, the rats are not like my favorites of the, of the Muppets. And I had no particular like interest in cooking as a child, <laughs> but something about the rats, you know, the scale of it with the rats doing cooking stuff, like using, like you said, using the thing, the, the, the mixer as a, as a unicycle and all that stuff just really spoke to me for some reason. And it was like, I, I guess I found it funny. I guess I think my mom said I was like laughing a lot at it, but I was just like, I just was like my favorite thing ever that I'd ever seen basically on like, filmed entertainment to that point were these rats in the kitchen. And I really couldn't tell you exactly why, except for that. I just thought it was so funny that they were making pancakes like I saw adult humans do, but they were rats. <laughs> right, um, right. And I, but now I kind of, you know, and now I kind of look at that scene and think and like it weirdly feels like wonderfully <laughs> New York-y to me, even though like I, I have a, a close friend who is, cannot watch or i think she maybe she watched ratatouille but could, i think she maybe hadn't had to not watch it at all because she was so disgusted by the idea of like a rat in the kitchen uh-huh. she was and in new york certainly like i have we have just we're just dealing with like some kind of mouse or rat that like poked into our garbage the other night um and it's disgusting but there's just something like that feels both New Yorky and kind of delightful about the idea. Like it's, it's all this, like it's very Muppet show joke, right? Like, Oh, they didn't like them as waiters. So, you know, they were, they complained. So I just put them in the kitchen. Um, But there is something really endearingly New Yorky. I think about that, like that, Oh, it's like this greasy spoon diner and like the rats are the, (laughs) the rats just get to work and help out. And I probably don't ask to be paid very much, which again, in real life is a horrible thing, (laughs) but it's it's like so sweet and adorable that like, it's just, you know, everyone's pitching in, even the rats, they just want to, they just want to cook breakfast for people. (laughs) It's heartwarming. Right. Right. Yeah. It's great. So then the, well, do you have anything else, Ryan, before we close? Oh, well, I, did you see the note on uh, Muppet Wiki about the scene? Um, another thing about Foz Fazakas and his team figuring the scene out uh, that they originally tried to make uh, the pancake batter from a paint formula. And it says, <laughs> oh, it was, yeah. It was so caustic, it etched pits into stainless steel bowls. Real pancake batter is used in the film. So again, just like the butter, they they were brainstorming these other creative solutions, and then they were just like, "Oh, let's just use pancake batter," and it worked. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating that that happened both like in both of those instances. Yeah, sometimes huh. the simplest thing is the best. Right. Yeah, because they couldn't do anything else simply. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The, yeah. Okay. Sometimes the simplest thing is the best when you are shooting an incredibly complicated uh, and time-consuming puppet sequence. <laughs> right. Which that was so, the other thing I was wondering about the the toaster gag is just how many times do you think it took them how many takes do you think it took to to get the toast to pop out of that toaster and land right on the plate where it needed to. Right. Although I do wonder if it isn't like one set of toast popping up and someone else dropping another set of toast. Oh, does you it know, fly like, so out of the frame? Somebody, it flies out of the frame. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so someone so catches it, it, it and then be. Someone else drops drops another. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah. Still complicated, obviously. Like, you know, um, 
But so Jesse, as, as you might remember from our two previous movies, we like to ask our guests, uh, you know, you talked about your history with the movie and first time you saw it already, but where would you rank it among the Muppet movies? Uh, you know, as much as I have so much uh, affection for it because it was one of my first movies ever and one of like you know extremely strong impression it made and I I want to say I, I don't know if this is one of those things where I remember it or if it's just a received memory I believe I cried at the end of it because I was over and I was like a brat and uh-huh. wanted to watch it some more and it was uh, uh-huh. so obvious so I mean no disrespect but I would say like I would definitely put it below the first two and I kind of like the two uh 2010 ones more than this one too hmm. if i'm being honest i think the they're a little funnier maybe and i think some of this some of the some of the mother St. manhattan stuff is maybe a little softer like great great grandma caper is so funny and so sharp and and there's also something really magical about the muppet movie and this one i think is a little squishier and it's <laughs> It's. I mean, I like it. I love it. Obviously, I like it a lot. But I would say definitely Muppets was one, and I prefer to this one. And I might prefer the even the 2011 Muppets one to this too. Or I might be more. I mean, just because I haven't seen it as often, I'd be more in the mood to watch it. Uh, but I put it above the the 90s ones, which I mean, I like all of them. But uh, so I would, you know, probably put this like fourth or fifth, which probably seems low for one that Tenson and Oz actually worked on. <laughs> sure, no, that's really interesting. I don't know that we've heard that particular uh, ranking before. Did, where, yeah. do, what's you know, where do most people? I would say most people put it third, or do they go even go higher? You, you know, we've we've heard a lot of one, two, and three. I would say, uh-huh. and and yeah. and a few fours. You know. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, most guests that we've had on thus far have, I would say, put the first three at, at the top. Yeah. yeah. I think no. it's hard um, not to, unless maybe, I guess when we, I guess if we had some younger guests, maybe they would be, because I yeah. think so much of it is like the, the ones that we grew up with, it's hard for us to think of them as anything less than the top three in whichever order. Right. But, yeah, right. When, right. Well, you when, know, I, I mean, I've said before that I put Christmas Carol above this one, but yeah. That's just me. I think that one's grown a lot. I think in estimation over the years, and also, I, like, yeah, I have younger cousins who are like, you know, I don't know, six. The one the guy I'm thinking was like, I forget how much, about ten years younger than I am. And I remember when the new ones came out, like the most recent ones, he was like, kind of like, what the f- is this? This isn't like the real Muppets from the Muppets Christmas Carol. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, also liked the old, he also liked the old ones and he knew Jim Henson worked on those and didn't work on, you know, Christmas Carol or, or, or Treasure Island. But to him, those were still super real. And that these new ones were just like <laughs> pretenders while the well, people making the movie were sort of bashing. That's so fascinating. <laughs> yeah. That those are like well, the primary Muppet things to them. Yeah. Although, yeah. I mean, Jerry Jewell wrote Muppet Christmas Carol and he didn't write this. Uh-huh. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Like there is, there is something to that being written by the head writer of the Muppet Show. Yeah, that you know, and, and he's the. I mean, he, he and Charles Dickens really are the two. <laughs> you know, like there's no, there's no other credited screenwriter. Charles you know? Dickens is underrated as a Muppet screenwriter. Yeah. It's, it's true. It's true. He really His got drawn. You know? <laughs> um. Oh yeah, we should also link. I think as we did when you were on for Great Muppet Caper, you wrote a piece for the AV Club ranking of the all the eight Muppet movies a few yes. years ago. And I don't remember even if I put this. I know I'm, I'm sure I put it below Most Wanted because I, I stumped for that movie really hard, but I, I don't I, remember. 
if I put also put, did it the injustice of putting it below uh, uh, 2011 too. <laughs> I, I'm looking at it right now. You did in fact put it below the 2011. Yeah, I'm you, just uh, you have it at number five, just like you did today. So uh, you should see my you see my Star Trek rankings. It's even more. <laughs> it's even more. Yeah, didn't you put like didn't you put Insurrection at the top? I put Insurrection very high. Yes. Uh, I put, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I remember that because I I remember I think I said something to you on Twitter at the time. Like I was like. <laughs> I was like, what's your deal, man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So pretty fun. It's all nonsense anyway, you know? Like yeah, yeah. all of those I mean, lists yeah, no, are I, nonsense. I, yeah. Like who, who, I, it's fun. They're fun. Anthony, did, 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 your, did your daughter like that's what I'm very curious about? How did she react to this compared to if she, I assume she's seen all of them now? Um, she, she she has seen all of them at least once or twice. Um She's probably, I mean, she's definitely seen Muppet Christmas Carol the most because uh-huh. my wife always has it on often uh-huh. during December. You know, it's, it's, it's that's Raz's favorite one, my uh-huh. wife. Um, but I don't know. Iris likes this one. She likes, we know that she likes uh, the pirate one. She likes the pirate one, not as much as she used to, though. Oh. Like she's kind of outgrown the pirate one. Hmm. Oh. Um, uh, but actually it's funny and she she actually wants to talk about this when we get there on the podcast. She's she has requested. Um she has this theory that like in, in her head, this must take place after Muppets most wanted because in that one, Kermit and piggy call off the wedding. And in this one, they actually get married. So like, so like they almost got married and then later they actually do like, like she has said this to me multiple times. Oh, I like that. Yeah. 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 Cause, cause what does she care? What, what Miss Piggy's hair looks like. Right. No, I, I, I like that. She's coming up with fan theories. Yeah, well, like we said, she's my girl, you know. Um, how about you? You you have a daughter around that age. Has she seen this? She has. We watched it together not that long ago, and I think she liked it okay. And I think she even chose it that day, like when we had a couple different choices. But I feel like she got a little bored with it towards the end. Like I, you know, she oh, sometimes with movies that aren't cartoons, she just sort of was like, "All right, an hour is enough." Yeah. Um, sure. I don't. I don't I, Christmas Carol might be the one she's seen the most too, just because we have watched it two consecutive Christmases. And, yeah. but you know, the other ones that just doesn't come up as often. She has seen, I think most of them actually last time we tried to watch most wanted with her. She, cause she, I thought she would be old enough to like get more of the jokes, but wasn't quite old enough because she was really disturbed by Constantine switching places with Kermit. And sure burst out crying and was like we have to she was like we have to turn this off yeah, she yeah. just wouldn't she wouldn't stop until we turned it off so we were like all right we'll try this another time and I, we were I, like it's silly it's silly it's just they're just goofing around like it's it's funny because i find costing so funny and oh, she yeah. just was yeah. not with me. no i've heard of young children reacting badly to that storyline of just kermit being so helpless that none, none of his friends know that he's been replaced yeah kermit in jail is just was like too much for <laughs> But yeah. my my niece was five probably when that movie came out uh-huh. and i remember in the theater she was really freaked out when constantine pulls out like the the like metal jaws yeah. and puts <laughs> like she, just, she thought that was like genuinely terrifying yeah that's fair you know and she's Whereas, never seen the james bond movies with jaws and <laughs> right exactly exactly so and actually she's she's a diehard fan of this podcast she listens to every episode so Aww. so shout out to alina that's awesome. Thanks, Alina. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, that I think if there's nothing else, that brings us just about down to the end. Um, Jesse, thanks again for coming on. Always a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Um, so 
listeners, you can always check out toughpigs.com on the internet. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're, we're all over the place. You can send us an email at movingrightalong at toughpigs.com if you have thoughts you'd like to share. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. And Jesse, remind us again where our listeners can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Rock Maroons. If you like the movie Jerry, or even if you do not like the movie Jerry, that's where you can find me. You can also go to sportsalcohol.com where I have my own podcast where we talk about movies and stuff. If you want to hear four people sort of, I'm told inexplicably, all giving Wonder Woman 84 a pass, our most recent episode <laughs> has that. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. It's a very divisive movie, apparently. I haven't, I haven't made time to watch it yet. It got um, four. It got four. Eh, it's fine from us. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I'm, I'm still looking forward to it, despite despite everything I've heard. Uh, by the, by the time this comes out, hopefully I'll have seen it. Um, but uh, so thank you again, Jesse. Thank you to Stacy Rosen for writing our theme music, and to Morgan Davy for designing our logo. And listeners, thank you to you for giving a positive review to this podcast and a positive review to the film Ratatouille. <laughs> tell, tell all your friends to listen to the podcast and we'll be back next week with another episode of We're Moving Right Along. Goodbye! Squiddly-dap-boo-da-da-boo-ba <laughs> <laughs>